top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show bringing you all the action from England and Italy. I'm your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom, who's doing some uh, wiring. Hey, no, I was Wire just management. My... Oh my God, my feet smell. Uh, I, I, was taking my, I was taking my shoes off. Um, uh, I just got back from doing like a two-hour basketball workout. Yeah, so my, well. shoes were, my shoes were tied up tight. Had to had to unlace them, and I am not happy that I did that. You should crack the door a little bit, run the fan, uh, turn on the Febreze, <sighs> something, because uh, I don't want you uh... stinky like Milan's performance today. So I hear that. We've all, you know, we've had a tough week. <laughs> we'll say that much. We'll, we've had a tough week. Uh, we'll get through it together. Um, yeah, you know, we're you know obviously recording this on Wednesday. We've seen some Champions League games. Uh, but we're going to rewind a little bit to the domestic weekend that we had because we did have some big matchups, especially in England. You know, we had two absolute, you know, uh, marquee games, at least, you know, before the games we thought they were going to be. I would say lived up. <laughs> we're going to start in Italy, though, uh, with Inter 1, Roma 2. Uh, this was a game I, you know, I was personally looking forward to. I, I think a, a lot of people typically are with this matchup, um, at least in, in recent history, because it has provided plenty of good flair drama um yeah insert games have been exciting overall this season there's definitely been uh you know plenty of goals scored you know and i think uh this game did not disappoint in that and i think after this game i think there was some fair questioning about inzaki because inter have not performed great in a lot of their top you know sort of top table clashes those those games with the top teams um and this was yet another case too where they go ahead you know in the game and uh, and find a way still to to lose that result um no strange substitutions like you'd seen uh, you know in some of these other games like against lazio but uh roma yeah created a, a lot of good chances yet again which, which we've seen from them this year except this time they were really able to actually like capitalize on them which has not been the case uh so often um some great goals that paulo de goal was just magnificent and that's you know just part of the reason you sign a player like that is because he's, he's able to sort of turn what for most other people would be half chances into goals. Um, I think it's a huge, huge plus, obviously, for Roma as well when you consider that performance away from home. Uh, you know what that does to, obviously, the tangible result of moving them up the table, but also I, I think a, a huge, huge shot in the arm for confidence for Roma as well. Um, very interesting choices for the starting lineups from both sides. You know, Tammy Abraham not getting the start for, uh, for Roma, but I mean... Uh, 
Jose Mourinho has has uh, a plethora of options. You know, when it comes to the that front three, I mean, starting Pellegrini, he kind of has to start for them. And then on top of that, you have DiBala and Zaniolo. But then you also have Tamri Abraham. You also have Belotti. So it's like, it's 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 not as confusing or or eyebrow raising when you see one of these guys left out of the lineup. Um, I think that you know that it benefits Roma on the Inter side. You know, you have Aslani starting, uh, Di Marco starting, uh, Lukaku's still injured. Uh, so it's like you know, and you see, it seemed to me like. Inter was on a squad rotation game, prepping for their game against Barcelona, you know, in, in a, in a matchup that's, that's pretty important for them in the league. Um, I think that the way that Inzaghi has been handling the team this year, when, when, when it comes to, you know, I think he's been focusing a lot more on Europe as opposed to the league, it seems. And, and, I wouldn't under, I, I I mean, I get why you would rotate players in your league game coming up against a big group game in the champions league, but with their place in the table right now, you need these three points against Roma and, and, you know, the, the consistency just didn't follow through the entire game and, and they end up losing. Yeah. So, um, shot creation too, like, uh, intercreated more shots at, at 15 shots, uh, to Roma's 10, um, you know, the expected goals too were, were, were pretty similar as well. You know, uh, eight shots on target to six in favor of Inter. You know, it was, a, it was a very even game. It was really just about taking yeah. those chances. Chris Smalling gets you know, what is the winner uh, with that beautiful like uh, set piece movement there. He's you know a guy that aerially is always going to be a challenge for defenders. Um, yeah, Inter. You know, are dealing with some injuries themselves too. Like Brozovic is out. You know, mm-hmm. he has uh, some like but like a hamstring injury, which is is tough. Um, it's it's a frustrating result, I think, for Inter as well because you got kind of a a, a largely pretty good Inter performance out of this. I, I didn't think they were bad, and I don't think they've really been bad in a lot of the big games this year. They just have not had those moments where you really need to like capitalize and kind of like put your foot on uh, on the throat, so to speak. They have not done well, and I don't know how you fix that necessarily. That is a problem that if you look across all sports, is always a struggle with teams. And Inter have struggled to do that. I say that all after they beat Barcelona 1-0 yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, Controversially, yeah, yeah. of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. There certainly wasn't without some controversy. But still, you know, Barcelona, that. one of the one of the better teams in Europe this season, especially in, like, goal creation. And they, I thought, shut them down pretty well yesterday. So, um, I, yeah, I'm I'm seeking consistency from Inter more, more than anything. I do think maybe the, the complexion of this team changes a little bit once you do finally get Lukaku back and, you know, you start to see that rhythm. I'd also like to see uh, Grossens back in the team too, but you know with how good Demarco did playing as well. Like, yeah. hard to keep him out. He had a good international break. He rewards it with, I would say, a pretty soft goal. I, you know, I, I have to be honest. Rui Patricio should be saving that, uh, just just for me. If I'm a fan of Roma, there, I'm pretty annoyed with that goal. Um, but yeah, I think I think for Roma more than anything, it's it's just a good uh, like place marker for them for this season. And finally, I think you're seeing a little bit of like positive regression for them in terms of uh, goal scoring, you know, through the first, you know, five or six games of the season, they've, they've not been able to be clinical enough. And maybe now you're seeing a little bit of the other side uh, of what luck can do for you. I just don't understand Inzaghi's fixation to the three, five, two 
even when these rotating squad players or like based off of the players he has available, I feel like if he changes the formation up and practices it over the course of like a week in preparation for a game, I feel like it could help Inter out, like switch it up a little bit. I mean, you're, you're seeing this three, five, two consistently every single game. It doesn't matter the opponent. It doesn't matter the matchups. And I think that, you know, you need something to spice it up, catch a team off guard, you know, prepare in a way that, you know, not everybody is expecting to see you come out and play and gain that extra small edge on your opponent, uh, especially with who they have available, like on the bench, like you have Mkhitaryan, you have Gosens, and you have Correa, where you could play like a four back. You have a holding midfielder in, in Barella who can kind of stay back. The I think the issue and the reason why he's not changing it up too much is Brozovic is hurt, and that's your defensive midfielder. That's your that's your your guy that's going to get into the dirty areas. Barella is more of that deep line playmaker guy who who kind of moves up the field and is that outlet for the for the forwards. But I, I don't know, man. It's I enjoy seeing them struggle, but you know, from a from a neutral perspective, or if you are an Inter fan. It, it, it's very concerning that the team who won the league two years ago and was second place last year is struggling like this. Yeah, like we were, we were, we were saying this of Juventus this year, but Juventus is playing better than them now. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, it's their worst start since 2011 to, to a Serie A campaign. Uh, they've lost five of their last 10. So not great. I do think too, like, like you said, with the formation, whenever you stick with that formation often, um, you know, teams find a way to sort of build around that. And you're seeing a lot of space being exploited, you know, uh, from teams against Inter, like space in behind. And there's too many, I think, like just wrong decisions being made on like a personal level where uh, there, there's just been a lot of areas for opponents to run into this year. Um, it's also the first time Roma have uh, have beaten Inter in the league in five years. So there's that. Crazy. Uh, just Just for reference, Juventus has in their last six games two wins, three draws, one loss. That's the same form as Sassuolo. Inter has two wins, four losses. I would, yes, technically you're right. I think like on a on a mathematical sense, yes, Juventus has been playing better. I test very similar. The performances, I would not say like Juventus have looked fair, bad fair in a, a lot that. of those games. Inter, yes, like Inter lose this game, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not trying to like fall on the sword for them. I think on another day they probably win this game. I, I think even you go back to that Lazio game. I think even the Milan Derby. Like those are games that Inter were honestly in control of and probably should have won. But what concerns me is that they didn't. That's that's what concerns me. That you know the performances have been largely okay this year, um, but just lacking those like final moments, those crucial moments. There's been a few times too where they've had the opportunity to maybe go two 0 up, and that's the difference in the game. And they haven't been able to do that. And those are the types of goals, those are the types of moments that make teams great and make them champions. And if you're not doing that and you're falling behind and, and you're you're capitulating like they've done a few times this season, late in games and, and giving up leads, that worries me. You know, yeah, that that, I, that worries me. I, I think uh I don't know if you noticed this, but the way that the inter players kind of carry themselves on the field, it feels like they almost have this sort of like ego about them that, you know, everything should go their way. 
you know, they're, they're better than you. And, and rightfully so, I mean, they won the league. Like I said, they won the league last year and they came in second the year or, or last year and they won the league two years ago. Like they have this, this pedigree and this stature about them, but then they, they go around on the field like that. And then when things don't go their way, it seems like it gets in their heads. Definitely an ad- adversity problem for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like you see the frustration in Dumfries, you see the frustration in Chalhanoglu and, and, you know, also not having the striker that you paid a ton of money for to bring him back to the club. He's not playing. There, Chalhanoglu has issues. always had body, bad body language. Oh, you're telling say. me. You're telling me. <laughs> I don't yeah, think he's ever, uh, even the good times, I don't think he's ever had good body language. I think that's just how he is. Um, yeah, I, I, my concern level isn't too deep for Inter, but the results have to improve. They, you know, yeah. And that's just the reality of it. And again, we all say this too after watching them yesterday beat Barcelona and uh, maybe they were a bit fortunate in there, but you could say they've been a little bit unfortunate to maybe not pick up some wins that they've, uh, they've picked up this season. Um, let's go to uh, speaking of not picking up wins this season, Sampdoria nil Monza three. I wanted to highlight this game because it was, it's a crucial game at the bottom of the table. And, you know, obviously we now have some extra uh, skin in this game, in this matchup because of our, our fantasy draft that we did last week. Uh, where we, we divvied up the teams. Uh, this was a win. This was an overall win for me, my friend, uh, Mr. Sampdoria, at the bottom of the table, still winless. Uh, um, scale one to ten. How worried are we about Sampdoria, Dom? Uh, nine point eight five seven. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's almost full off. I mean, they, they are piss poor this year. Uh, it's I. You've got guys like Fabio Quagliarella and Andrea Conti coming off the bench for these guys. Like it one it, shot on target in this game. It's it's like I feel bad for for Caputo who made his move from Sassuolo to Sampdoria like it was going to be something for him because man guy was that was a talk of the league last year especially early on at this point in the season and man like it's just, you hate to see it. You know, Sampdoria has been one of those, you know, mid-table. You always see them in Serie A. I, don't, I can't tell you the last time they were not in the league. As, as long as I've been watching the league, they've been in the league. So, you know, it's such a storied club. They used to be very good back in, like, you know, pre-2000. But, you know, again, that's pre-2000. We're in 2022. So uh, what would you say, scale of 1 to 10? I'm at a full ten. When you're you're, at a, you're, you're, when you're ringing the alarms. When you're winless this many games into the season, and it's not even just the fact that you haven't won games that you really have just looked past. It. They had one shot on target against Monza. By the way, Paladino, the the head coach for Monza, this is his second ever game managing. You know, like this was, and this was a guy that just like took over as like like. I'm sorry, but you shouldn't just shouldn't be losing that game at home. I mean, it, it doesn't get more crucial of a matchup. I have no idea how Jim Paulo still has a job. Like, I really don't. I I don't, I, I felt last year they were obviously very disappointing too. I I don't know where you go from here um, outside of making a managerial change. I just, I, I, I'm shocked that he still is the manager, like sitting here yeah. today, that we're going to be like previewing the weekend and he's still going to be in charge of this team. I, I just, I, I don't understand it. It's, it's amazing. Um, and they, they were just thoroughly outclassed in this game. Monza looks like a, an established Serie A side, which they aren't. 
and may still not be uh, it's their first ever season there. Um, and they However, just, oh, go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought. They, it was just complete. They were just completely outplayed. I, and and yeah. again, this is a, an inexperienced manager and a largely inexperienced team. Even the guys that they have that have been like Syria players before it never really been like established starters. Like Pacina has certainly gotten game time at Atalanta right before he goes to Monza. Someone like Stefano Sensi has definitely gotten some time at Inter. These were not guys that were like regular 90 minutes every week. Gianluca like, Caprari didn't start like almost every game for Hellas Verona last year. Did I mention Caprari? No, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about other guys. Like, yes, yeah, Caprari, but like outside of that, this is this is not some like this is not Torino, right? Like a team that has no, like right. ha- habitually been in the league, has that experience, knows how to like manage games. Like this team is just as inexperienced as you. And and really it should be the other way. I I just Yeah. I, I really think Sam Dory in, in a lot of trouble this season. I, I well, don't know the numbers, but not winning a game, uh, you know, uh, eight games into the season, I think historically has to uh, has to put you in a, a really tough way. Oh wow, I didn't even know Monza had Armando Ito also. So they they do yeah. have they do have like <laughs> very you know established players. Like Ito was you know one of the better center backs from like the mid table teams a couple like two years ago. He was uh, good for Torino, Torino for yeah. sure. Like, but um, I just. Sampdoria should be better than this. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I know Marco Giampaolo's coaching, you know, better than better than most because of, you know, what he took Milan through. I could have told you, like, oh, he's coaching Sampdoria? Yeah, it's not going to go well. It, it's not going to go well. And it, it hasn't. I mean, Sampdoria have had a few games where they've looked good, and, and promising that things would turn around. Their game against Hellas Verona, you know, is the one that, that pops in my mind the best because that game was a shootout. You know, people were scoring goals on both sides. Hellas Verona ends up getting the win at the end. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think he, I don't think he makes it through next week with a job. I don't think he does that. I think, I think by the, this weekend is the last chance. They have, they have Bologna at the weekend. You know, another team near the bottom of the table. So you know, it's it's a chance for them at least to, to yeah. get a win and, and sort of you know, push themselves up. They'll still be in the I, relegation I don't even zone think no matter if what. They get a win, he keeps his job. I think he's just there to have a coach and play the game, and then you're going to see on Monday, Marco Giampaolo is parted ways with Sampdoria, and they are interim head coach. Yada yada yada. Like. It, it it's he's not surviving this. He he was fired actually. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah, no more Gempolo actually. So no no news yet on when um on on who they're uh, who they're looking to replace him with. But listen, maybe that. things turn around for them now because of that. Like, like we'll see. Some something like that can really change things. But who knows. Yeah, and there's obviously too like the bigger specter here where Sampdoria are going through some like financial issues too. They you know talk about selling of the club. That's always tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I it's it's a it is a basement dwelling season so far, and, and maybe Gianpaolo being out shakes things up. I I have to believe that it does because I don't think this is an amazing team. Um, I would certainly say they are not a team that should should be getting relegated from from syria i don't think the talent is that bad on that squad but we'll see how they they fare the rest of the season elsewhere in italy atalanta and napoli just keep on winning you know atalanta another one nil win 
uncharacteristic for them. Three of their wins this season have been by one nil scoreline. That's shocking. Whereas like Napoli, they've like body switched these teams. Um, Napoli have just been blowing teams <laughs> away. Goals in man, it's crazy. Cavardescalia has just been like just dropping dimes everywhere he goes. Uh, who needs Victor Osimhen when you have him uh, and Simeone? Like it's just. Uh, I don't know. I, I, whatever is called their spirit is uh, you know, bottle that and sell it because not only that they add Raspadori to the squad like that. That's huge. Yeah, Raspadori has like, definitely turned it on in the last week. You know, it, it's no surprise now that he's gotten some game time, some time to bet in. You know, he's definitely delivering on I think a lot of the promise. Um, Lazio, Milan, Udinese all keeping pace at the top with with wins this weekend. So. You know, no real change in you know, like the makeup of the the top five in Italy, um, but it, you know it's, it's still looking obviously very tight there at the top of the table. Um, you know, Inter all the way down at ninth, or, you know, almost down at a uh, you know bottom half of the table. I'm sure that that makes you very happy. But uh, yeah, so your your table right now, Napoli at uh, the top spot with 20 points, Atalanta in second with 20. Udinese in third with 19, Lazio with 17, Milan with 17, Roma with 16. That rounds out your European spots. Um, Udinese have just continued to impress uh, Beto with another goal. Uh, late goal. To, Udinese have like low key been a huge like stoppage time team. Um, Milan were a stoppage time team this weekend as well. Like three goals in stoppage time in that game, just absurd. Um, you love to see it. <laughs> I think it's it's hard on the heart for sure. But yeah, Udinese as well. Just been a team that all this season have really thrived in the last like. 10 minutes of game so now um and they don't have normal stoppage time ever either there's always like seven minutes of stoppage time with udinese i don't know what it is i don't know what's happening there but uh it it smells uh smells suspicious to me I mean, that's all i'll say like destiny udoji kind of just fouls and then they start an argument and then you know like that kind of stuff it's just like <sighs> oh uh, Kyle with the with the update via Roma Press, Daniele De Rossi emerged as candidate for Sampdoria's coaching vacancy. God bless him. Uh, I don't know if I if if I were him, I would take that. I know that he's like a new coach trying to like earn his stripes and things like that, but like I don't think that that's good for a coaching resume to take a, a team job. dead last and then hope that you can make them like safe from relegation. This this is Frank Lampard it's, taking Everton. This yeah, like, yeah exactly. you really i i just don't think you i i don't think it's stopped speaking of though i mean he's not a really an england italy player and he's not uh he, he only played in england for for a few years but a man very close to my heart Xabi alonso is the new Bayer leverkusen manager um so shout out to him didn't he play there too uh for Bayer leverkusen no he played for Bayern munich but uh i could have sworn he played for another german like early in his career like before he went to I Liverpool. do not believe so. Uh, I, I could be what, wrong uh, about this. I will but... see what, what football reference has to tell me. But shout out to Javi Alonso. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite He's an icon players. in FIFA this year. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, good to see him. No, he's, yeah, he started at Sociedad. Sociedad, Liverpool, Madrid, Bayern Munich. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, God bless him. God love him. Uh, I wish Javi Alonso nothing but good luck. Um Let's move to right foot. both feet. Just amazing. Just like, God damn. What a player. Uh, your favorite, like him and Tiago Mata, like your favorite midfielder's favorite midfielder, you know, just like, just... I don't know. I never, I never, Tiago Mata never just like, I don't know. He wasn't at Chabi Alonso's level, but Tiago Mata was a very good midfielder. And I think 
not respected enough and also uh, won everything. I'll give you that. I'll <laughs> like give you that. I Tiago Mato is a very good midfielder and he's been an, a pretty okay manager too. Um let's move to England where we had uh two oh. in, inner city derbies over the weekend. Uh we will start with Manchester City six, Manchester United three. Two hat tricks for Manchester City in this game. Erling Holland and Anthony Martial. Erling Holland has three hat tricks already this season. It's <laughs> taken him eight games to get to that mark. If you look at the history of other like great strikers in England, I think the, I think the it's next absurd. best was like was like forty games it's, it's taken absurd. to get to that kind of mark. Um, I'm kind of speechless. <laughs> I you know like it's just kind of I I'm actually holding back tears because uh, what do we do I, I mean what like what do you how do you how do you combat this without you know, like with I, legal I, measures you know I was I was in I was in some uh, voice chats and Discord over this week and people were trying to discredit Holland like saying oh he plays for City it's Pep tactics he has. He has uh, Kevin De Bruyne giving him passes on a platter. You're trying to tell me that if he went to any other team, like he'd be doing this? Yes, yes literally, yes. He yes. already has. He literally, yes. yes. <laughs> like, well, that's what yes. I said. That's literally, yes. I, I was like, I was like, bro, he played for Dortmund. And, when he was playing like, for Salzburg, he was putting up numbers there in the Champions League, not yes. even just in the Austrian. Like he was. <laughs> yeah. And 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 they're they're like, oh, you're saying that like Dortmund's a bad team? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. You know, they're not the same quality as like a Manchester United or, or Man City, but like he's still doing it. And and even more to your point. Scored a hat trick on his debut for Dortmund as a sub. I don't know. <laughs> like, just... And it was in a it was in a matter of minutes. It, it wasn't that long so that it took him to get stupid. that hat trick. It's <laughs> stupid. Like I, I saw people try to try to say like, oh, like uh, uh, never mind. I'm not going to. I My point wasn't going to make sense, but. Uh, the the thing that's most scary about City is like now Kevin De Bruyne has even more possibilities for like passes and key passes that he can make into Holland because Holland can get to areas on the pitch that other players just can't get to. Like when you watch that one where he's like sliding on the ground and kind of like like puts his the bottom of his cleat into the ball and, and scores near post. Varon didn't think he was going to get to it. So he, he you talk about De Bruyne's running. just disgusting that through cross. Literally <laughs> perfect. I don't even know what to call that pass. I don't know what you classify that pass as. Early as, cross? Because it's Loud not a, it's not a cross necessarily, and it's not really a through ball. It is some disgusting hybrid of the two he that just, somehow takes like four defenders out of the game. It gives them no chance. He's like, I see Holland's running there. I'm going to place it in the open spot on the field, and he's the only one that's going to get to it. David De Gea didn't even try to make a save. He because didn't think it was he? going in. Like, it's 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 absolutely incredible what this guy does. And and to have Kevin De Bruyne giving him the passes, it's just even it it's it's one of the best duos I think we've seen ever. It's it's certainly scary. So he's uh one point nine one goals per ninety right now. Erling Haaland, <laughs> stupid. Um. <laughs> 2.31 uh, goals and assists per 90. So that's uh, that's super cool, too. Yeah, yeah, by the way, he got a hat trick, but he also got two assists. Like, cool. Just, it's, yeah, I, I, it's actually really cool. I think it's so cool. <laughs> Have I mentioned that I think it's cool? This is totally cool. Um, 14 goals, 
in the in the season so far in the Premier League. Eight games. Eight games. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, you know about the game. I you know honestly, I don't know what there is to glean from this. Manchester City were so much better than United in the first half. Four 0 at halftime. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, the Manchester United goals sort of coming in what we would call garbage time, right? And when clearly City switched off a little bit, now you could say this has been a little bit. Of, we talked about this at the last stage of the season last year for City and defensively, they'd been a little, had that ability to switch off in key moments. We saw it happen to them against Real Madrid, and that was that was frustrating for them. Um, and we've seen that a few times this season and few of their, their disappointing results so far. Um, in the league, especially, you know, like that Newcastle draw, right? Like they've had these moments where they just haven't been perfect, right? Like Erling Haaland has been great. Yeah. De Bruyne has been great, obviously. But um, those defensive issues, now we can score five goals a game. Maybe it doesn't matter as much. But this team's clear goal is to win the Champions League. And, uh, you know, those moments, those goals can can be the, the difference. And, and that, that would be like my only criticism, but it's like yeah. you, you're sort of really picking nits i think a lot with this city team uh, about their weaknesses i still think they're the the, the team that i am most favored in england to win obviously the league and um adding early on has just so obviously given them that extra dimension that they just have not had they've obviously had goal threat over the years uh they have not, not like had this. a goal threat like this, like this since aguero and even aguero never quite had the gravity that Erling Holland has. And what yeah, I mean by that is like he is he is a planet that attracts yeah. defenders to him constantly like as you have to. And his movement is just so good. He's just so aware of where to be at all times. And when you have the like technical players that surround him that can find him exactly in the space that he needs, like it's just like it is a lethal combination. It is brake fluid and chlorine. Like it's just like yeah. it's just like it's dangerous. It's combustible. He is the perfect, like, combination of strength, size, speed, and finishing ability. Like, we've never seen somebody this as tall as him run as fast as him. <laughs> and, and like, we've seen people around that height, like, that are, that are amazing finishers. You know, Olivier Giroud comes to mind. Ibrahimovic comes to mind. Uh... You know, you could even say like Henri was a taller, you know, taller forward and, and stuff like that. Uh, but like what what he's doing is just ridiculous, ridiculous. I was telling people that I'm saying, you know, to refute the fact that people were saying, oh, it's Pep's system. It's, it, you know, it's Pep and, and, and the midfield, you know, that that's the reason for, for Holland doing this. Well, I said, well, why didn't Sergio Aguero do it? He had Kevin De Bruyne giving him passes all game. You know, like, why is he not scoring at the same quantity in such a short amount of time that Holland's doing? It's, it's really stupid. You know what and else? Pep Guardiola, by the way, would refute that claim too because he yeah. constantly says it's not his tactics. He just creates the environment and the players yeah. go out and win it. That's yeah. from Pep's mouth. I, You know, like, it's just, it's, I don't know. It, it, you know what else is cool, Matt? What else is cool, Dom? Holland and Cristiano Ronaldo have the same amount of Premier League hat tricks. And Holland's only played eight games in the Premier League. I mean, it's just um I I you know, I, I To be fair, to be fair, Cristiano Ronaldo played left wing at Manchester United. Oh shut but... the fuck up. I I'm so sick of like <laughs> Oh god. 
<laughs> I wanted to trigger you so bad about that. I had to hear it all the time with Salah because uh, he's like, well, Ronaldo played. Well, he played on the wing too. You know, which was uh, it? Was he the greatest player ever when he was at United? Or was actually well, he never really hit his true peak at United. God damn it. Yeah, well, Kyle's coming in with the crazy stats for Holland, too. Goals scored by age 22. Messi, 44. Ronaldo, 50. Holland, 174. <laughs> yeah, well, so I don't want to be the guy that's like, I remember when Holland was breaking out, but I remember when Holland was breaking out. And I remember yeah. <laughs> at a Norway, like, U19 game, he scored, like, six goals in a game. And I was like, this kid looks like a freak. And that season, Liverpool played Salzburg in the Champions League group stages. And I saw Holland play. And I was like, this, I mean, I really felt this at the time. And this is not me being revisionist. I was like, this is like a type of player that I don't know that I've encountered in my life. I really, like, yeah. I really don't. He's just, he's very unique in every, like you mentioned, he is his, all the combinations of speed that he has and power and finishing ability. He like smashes the ball like it owes him money every time. Like he's just like crazy. I, it's 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 unreal to watch. Um, obviously, you know, for Manchester United, it's a, a really tough loss. I, I mean, and you saw it in the fans too. There's like I think a hundred of them left. I mean, it, I, who can blame them when you're when you're down like that at halftime to your, your city rivals? Um, I will say this: um, the one glimmering, you know, positive that United can take out of this is Anthony is a very good signing for them. Um, scored a great goal for them. And yes, you could say it's pretty much all wrapped up by the time it hit halftime and he's going out in garbage time in the 56 minute, which is crazy to think, but it seems like out of all the players on Manchester United, he has the most like desire and fight in him to, you know, not give up and, and keep playing and, you know, he came in, he scored on his debut, he scored here. Like, like he's been doing more for Manchester United in the short period he's been with the club than everybody else has all season. Um, so there's that positive, but everything else about this team is, tuh. like, I'm, I'm surprised that they're still so, quote-unquote, high up on the table because – they're they're falling. They were in fourth a couple weeks ago, and and now they're in sixth. And next thing you know, they're going to be out of even a conference league spot. Like I I don't know, don't know. I mean, like yes, in their last six games they've had four wins, but I don't know, man. They have been like hugely impressive, but I think again, this is a team over the course of the season probably rolls on. A lot of teams will walk away from their their game against City. Kind of uh, <laughs> very dizzy and disoriented. Um, yeah, but six three in a in a, in a oh Manchester sure. It's not, I'm not. I'm not trying to diminish it because it's a demoralizing result. Any way you look at it, but I also think you know. Let's just. I, I know that there's all the graphics about how much they've spent since whenever, and they spent pretty much the same money. And City have won so much more. We know that. You like it, it, like it's it's very obvious that these teams are not on the same level. Of course they aren't. Um, it, it's foolish to like say anything other than that, but uh, they are. You know, they, they're just they're very they're in very different stages, and you know, I don't think we should lose sight that United came into this season with the idea that it was sort of a rebuild year. Mm -hmm. and that this was this was not going to be a year where they're probably winning a lot and every week and and 
you know, challenging for the league and things like that. Where City, you know, got the final Infinity Stone, you know, and are are now just uh, like snapping the rest of the league, right? Like that's just that's just yeah, how it is. And you can all you can always say like, look, we played Holland. Like, there's nothing else that we can really do about that. Like that that it is what it is. <laughs> we played a freak, and let's just focus on next week because with the way City's playing. <laughs> The way Holland, excuse me, the way Holland is playing, you know, I know that we spoke when we previewed the season and I picked him as, you know, the golden boot winner. Yeah, I regret my choice. Can I say that? (laughs) I regret uh... (laughs) that. The concern that you had with with my choice was his health, right? Can he stay healthy? Can Can he kind of kick that injury bug that he's kind of had follow him? Uh, wherever he's played, and if he is able to, it, it's going to be ridiculous for him, stat-wise, right? Like league records may be broken, and for City, I don't know if they slow down. Michael Owen did give him the kiss of death and said that he could play, he could break Shearer's record. So there you go. There's there's how it all goes wrong. Um, Let's get to Arsenal 3, Spurs 1, North London Derby. My advice going forward is just whatever team is home, pick them to win because that's pretty much the way the North London Derby has gone over the last few years, pretty much always, actually. Uh, That's just just how it goes. Uh, Arsenal deserved win, but I would say Spurs were not not totally outplayed in this game. It's a bad red card that uh, that essentially kills the game off and, and any kind of hope at, at really like catching a result here. But I didn't think Spurs were terrible. Um, not nearly as bad as I think people have made them out to be. Uh, for Arsenal, though, it, it's uh, it's another really good result. You had uh, a very familiar Hugo Lloris uh, error leading to a goal in a big game. That's, uh, that's just sort of been a, a common theme of his career, especially in recent seasons. But uh, yeah, I mean... Arsenal really dominated the the ball in this game. You had Thomas Partey with a, a fantastic goal to open it. Gabriel Jesus sort of sniffing around, hunting around to, to get the second off the uh, Hugo Lloris mistake. But um, yeah, I, I think I think especially for Spurs in this too, and and we saw this in their Champions League game this past week. Kulusevski not being in the lineup, I think, is is a loss for them. They really miss his like ability to be so creative and dribbling. They're, that's definitely a key difference between him and Richarlison. Richarlison is just not not strong at the same areas that Kulusevski is, and I think Kulusevski's strengths are much more complementary to Kane and Son, whereas Richarlison, I think, at times is more competitive with them. If you know what I mean, like he's sort of yes. competing in the same areas in the same spaces. Whereas Kulisevsky is not, and well, I, just, I think that's I, I think, that's an issue. I think Richarlison is more of a like, you know, number nine as opposed to a seven. Like, it, it, they're kind of playing them. You know, Conte kind of plays them as like these two like center forwards that play right behind the striker, kind of. But you know, they obviously have to do some duties going out wide. I I agree. With, I don't think that Richarlison is is good out wide. I think that he does better in the center, in and around the box, where you can either, you know, cross it into him or play it to his feet and let him, you know, make a quick turn and, and finish or something like that. Like, but you already have somebody who does that at a pretty elite level in Harry Kane. And and I understand, you know, making sure you had this signing, you brought him in, you paid the money for him, you're gonna play him a little bit and, and rotate him in, but 
He's not taking Kane's spot. <laughs> Kane doesn't get rotated out. So where does he play? And and I think that he's going to start dropping down in the depth charts for sure. Like, I agree with you. Kulisevsky's way better for them there. Kulisevsky yeah, extremely obviously, creative on the wing. Obviously dealing with injury too, which which is yeah. tough and, and wasn't available for Champions League either. You know, um, yeah, I, but I, I didn't think Spurs were terrible in this game. Obviously, you know, they, they get the penalty as well. Um, that always helps when you have Harry Kane stat padding off the 12-yard off the, uh, spot as he's wont to do. Um, for Arsenal, oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, why are we, why are we dancing around it? Uh, <laughs> Arsenal will stay top of the Premier League with this result. Only one loss in the season, which was to Manchester United. Um, yeah, it's a rough they're, loss. They're, it's a rough loss, and I, I didn't think they were bad in that game either. I think they just sort of things went the wrong way for them as as they happen in in the big games at times. Um, yeah, sitting on twenty one points, Manchester City sitting at twenty. Spurs with 17. Brighton with 14 because they drew Liverpool on the weekend. Love that. Um, <laughs> for Arsenal, you know, I, I I still hesitate to call them like true title challengers. Um, I kind of hate that phrase too because like, what does that mean? I, I don't know. I There's still, they... some, there's still something about this team that I'm not totally sure I trust uh, long term. I still think they're a very good team and I think should be like a Champions League team next year. And I, that was how I felt about them coming in this season. So that's at least been validated for me. Um, I, I have to say I'm eagerly awaiting them playing Manchester City, uh, which comes up in yeah. a few weeks. They, they play them October 19th or actually the, that game has been rescheduled, I think. Um, the so, thing about Arsenal is that they have to stay consistent enough to keep up with City. Because like we just said with Holland and Kevin De Bruyne playing like the way they are, it doesn't look like City's going to lose a match anytime soon. And, you know, even if Arsenal do lose to City when they when they play that match, it's very tough to then make up those two points if they're not as consistent as City is. And, and that, or, you know, if City somehow do drop points for some odd reason, Arsenal has to capitalize that week hey and you know that like, you know the last team to beat city tell me matt this season liverpool three Manchester city one in the community shield hey i'm just saying and han played that game the community shield it's still a trophy <laughs> it's a glorified thanksgiving turkey plate <laughs> Okay, well, first of all, every other league, that same exact game means something. In every other league, it's like the Super Cup. Yeah, the and they just call it something yeah. different in, in England. I mean, come on, what are we doing? I'm hey, And I'm mostly joking, but, you know, hey, maybe I'm not. I, I, have a, I have a question. I got a question from my Twitch chat. Uh, what are your thoughts about Martin Odegaard? Uh, great player, and I think he's taken a substantial leap. Surprised to see him as captain, too, this year. I, I don't know that we even ever really discussed that he was made captain of Arsenal coming Would into the season. Brandon Shaka as the captain? No, but I just... I, Odegaard did not strike me as the type of player to be that. Mm. I always lamented that the past few seasons we hadn't seen him return to what he was at Sociedad, which got him his return to Madrid. Um, that season when he played for Sociedad was fantastic. You know, he's one of the best uh, midfield players in, in Spain, and I think you've seen him return to that level of form this year. I think they have, like... What, what scares me about Arsenal going forward in a good way, because I say this is a, a fan of a team that is an Arsenal, like, and that's going to be competing with them, is that 
they're very young. And that was, that was part of the reason I bought in this season was that, you know, they were one of, if not the youngest team in the Premier League last year and Odegaard being a key piece of that. And we've just seen teams like that take leaps, you know, and then they just typically do every season because, you know, when your average starting age is like 22 and a half, you know, and you have a bunch of guys who are like 20, 21 years old, they're just going to improve year on year. You know, it's, it's not always directly linear and, and progressive the way you want, but like these guys are going to get better. Their decision-making is going to get better. You've seen that this year already with, with guys that go to guard Martinelli. I think Sokka's looked very good, really composed this season. Um, Saliba has, has taken a step forward. He took a great step last year at Marseille and, and this year's really like held up on his own in the Premier League in like a tough spot and like has had to be like the rocket at the center back for them. And it's like done that pretty well. Like I just, yeah. I think all, all the way around this team is, uh, has, has impressed me in, in a lot of ways. And who knows? I, I, I don't, I don't know that they, they're, they're better than city, you know, and they're going to outlast them to beat the, to, to beat them to a title. I, I really don't think that's the case, but, um, the goal for them this season, I firmly believe is to make sure that they're in the champions league next year. And everything yeah. I've seen from them this season speaks to a team that, is likely going to be playing in the Champions League next year. Remember when Odegaard was signed at like 14 years old by Real Madrid? And remember it was him and Halilovic that were like these two touted, you know, youngster, star boy, kind of like future future generational talent type deal. And, and oh my God, the way the two careers have unfolded. One player starts for Arsenal and is leading the Premier League right now. And the other... I don't even know if he has if he has a club, and has a ratty beard. Right. So you know, like it, it, I remember, like I, I think it was maybe last year, two years ago, something like that. I packed his card on FIFA, and I just looked at him, and I was like, "Holy crap! Like this guy's been through it." So I think he's he's he was, back in Croatia now for Rijeka. Uh, he's playing at Reading. Uh, last few seasons, uh, he was with Milan for a little bit too. Yeah, never I saw the field. Um, never. I remember Odegaard very distinctly at like 16 because I remember Liverpool were also mm-hmm. like in for like everyone was, of course. Everybody but um, yeah, he's one of those few like young sta- like talents. You know, like you see a lot of times these like 15, 16 year old players and they sign to the big club or whatever, and it's like, yeah, well never hear about him again you know like it's mm-hmm. that is just the way it goes a lot of the times he's one of the exceptions and that he's actually like built out a really like good career for him already well, especially like once he wants to associate that because there were people questioning him and, yes and, and he was young and he's still young and it's like oh you know Odegaard still just hasn't turned the corner but then he goes associate that he does bits and now he's at arsenal people questioned him when he first if it wasn't for arsenal, luka modric now, being superhuman he's probably just still at Madrid, just like bossing yeah. the midfield there, yeah. you know, no, like he, right. he, he went you're back right. that, that season to Madrid thinking that he'd be rotated a lot more and that he'd be worked into the starting lineup and just Modric refused to decline with age. In fact, he just got better. And he was like, well, I guess I'm going to go. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. He's, he's still 23. So yeah, it's, it's scary. The, the, the kind of talent that Norway has been producing, you know, over the last, like, I don't know, eight years. Like, men and women uh, yeah. at a Hagenberg, like just a fantastic mm-hmm. Norwegian play. Like you look and, around, and, they, you they know, got it. The duo of Odegaard Holland just in general is, is great for them. And, and they do have other talented players coming out of the country playing in top five leagues. And, and, you know, they're going to be a force over the next 
decade maybe is that is that too much is that too they, they have to, to actually like qualify for something first before i i classify them as a force um but yeah i mean they're their team enough. they're a team that i i think you are i mean when you have when you have a player like erling holland we've seen you know, like mercurial strikers carry national teams to at least like world cup qualification um you know for from nations that aren't great otherwise i think the other like very similar type of uh comparison would be ibrahimovic in another nordic country you know uh not that the sweden teams are ever awful but i mean i without ibrahimovic i don't know that most of the sweden teams are, are qualifying for a lot of those euro campaigns a lot of those world cup campaigns El, El Mander? it wasn't wasn't he like his, ibrahimovic's yeah. his partner back in like the I, early I think 2010s? i think too though like it's also going to be easier going forward for World Cup qualification because they're expanding the field, mm-hmm. um, and the Euros are a, a little easier to qualify for, qualify for as well. And you have like the Nations League stuff, so like their path to getting to those like big international tournaments is at least mm-hmm. you know uh, easier. But they still have to do it, you know, <laughs> before yeah. I, I I say yeah. you know, yes, I, Norway is on the come up. But I yeah, they do, I, they do. I, have I, want, I want to see them make a run in the Euros if, if they can, you know, do that. I think they'll set themselves up as, as a very good team. Um, uh, yeah, the, the the guy that asked that, is, it's Stefan, and he was saying, like, Norway is a strong team, but there's a lot missing. Even though we have Holland, something just doesn't add up. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's just tough yeah. when you're not a, a, a nation that has historically had that, like, pedigree and success. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah like churn out some like generational talents like Holland, like Odegaard, but you know, without that, you know, without like any sort of supporting cast, it gets tough, but they could, um, elsewhere in England, Liverpool drew with Brighton, probably with the most exciting game of the weekend, to be honest, in terms of just like drama, um, Liverpool two nil down, make it three, two, and then concede late to make it three, three, just can't get out of their own way defensively. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Brighton under Deserby though, looked pretty good. Um, one of the most efficient games I've ever seen, too. They had six shots, three goals. Uh, the, like, expected goal-to-shot ratio was just obscene. Uh, they created, like, six very good chances and converted three of them. So credit there. Uh, Bruno Lage, speaking of, of, of dismissals, gets fired after Wolves lose to West Ham. West Ham get another win, start to get their season back on track. Uh, but for Wolves, I mean, it certainly you know, brings some concern because they're, they're back in the relegation zone. Um yeah, right now it's Wolves, Leicester, Nottingham Forest, a Midlands, a very Midlands relegation uh, there. That West Ham um, pick is coming in strong for me now. Yeah, look at you, bud. Look at you. <laughs> um, Leicester obviously beating Nottingham Forest Monday night 4-0, uh, definitely making Steve Cooper's job a little more tenuous. But we'll see We'll see who uh, Wolves replace Bruno Lage with. We obviously know it's going to be someone of Portuguese, Portuguese descent. Uh, that's just kind of the, the way that they have gone over, I don't know, the last five years. Um, so we'll see uh, see what happens there. We're going to just end the show rounding up a little bit of the, the Champions League action that we've had this week so far. Dom, maybe the surprise of the Champions League group stages, Club Bruja, top of their group, three wins from three, uh, beat Atletico Madrid 2-0. My man, my boy, close to my heart, Simo Mignolet stopping a penalty from, uh, from Griezmann. <laughs> Griezmann may be one of my least favorite players ever, simply because... Harry Kane! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. that clip of Griezmann is the funniest. I, I think it's hilarious. Here's why Griezmann annoys me. I am a big fan of watching 
like world like every goal from whatever world cup like compilations on youtube and he has ruined the 2018 world cup for me because he was doing those stupid cringy fortnite dances after everything it's like how am i supposed to take this seriously i'm not trying to be like the old man like get off my lawn type of stuff but i'll admit like it really it really bugs me every time i watch it and i see him doing the stupid take the l dance i'm like man like that's like my like nine-year-old nephew was doing that and you're doing it like the biggest stage possible okay don't don't rain on a on a black king's shine man come on now like but let him cook let come on jesus so shout out to club Rouge for being uh for being top of their group i, I think that that would take a lot of people by surprise napoli blew away ix61 See, it, it isn't so bad. Liverpool don't have the worst loss in the group anymore. Look at that. See, Napoli just actually very good. Who knew? Um, that was a Napoli have surprised. They've surprised everyone, myself included. I did not expect Napoli to be as good as they've been this year. And uh, I, I, I mean, are Napoli just the best team in Europe right now? I, I think you kind of have to say they are. Like, I, they, I, I, it's them and Madrid. I think have been the two clear, just like best teams, and along with Manchester City. Like, I. I don't know. Like I, they're just scoring for fun. Top of their league. Top of yeah. the, a very challenging group. Like they've beaten Liverpool and Ajax like handedly. I, I don't know. I Napoli really scare me. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, right? Um, what I loved seeing was the emotion from the fans. Uh, I watched some video, and it was like this group of Italians in Naples in like a like a small restaurant. And they're all watching the game and they have their dishes of pasta around them and stuff. And they go nuts for every single goal. Guys on their knees looking to Jesus Christ in the sky. Like, like it's it's different over there for Italy, especially like in the Champions League, where it means so much for Italian teams to succeed. It, it they are just on a different level right now. Spalletti's got them playing really, really good soccer. And I'm excited to see where they go. Yeah, I mean, we have seen, you know, we we obviously saw them start really well last season and, and sort of fade as the season went on. Uh, you know, we have to keep that in our mind, of course, that that has been part of Spalletti's tenure. You know, like a, his entire managerial career, Spalletti has like had that issue in the second of the season. I don't want to, I don't want to like yuck their yum here, but you know, I'm just saying, like, we got to keep that in mind. But they, I mean. They've been amazing. They, they, that's it. They've, they've scored 13 goals in three games in the Champions League. I mean, that's just it's stupid. Um, Inter controversially beat Barcelona 1-0. Um, I've never seen Thierry Henry so upset in the post-match show talking about the uh, the handball decision, the decision not to award a penalty to Barcelona. Um, so much no so I kind of had to turn it off, but it was uh, – I, I mean, I get it. It, it was definitely it's, – it's a – it's a befuddling call or non-call. In, in no world is this and and a natural hand movement when jumping up for a header. Like no way does somebody jump and go. I think and I think like that was the crux Mario, the crux of the issue too is that um there was a goal disallowed for that exact reason, which is fair because you're making an unnatural silhouette with your body yeah. and you know and I think too we have to separate separate what deliberate action means from intent. Deliberate does not mean you intended to handle the ball. It just means you deliberately made your body bigger, your natural silhouette bigger. That's really the spirit of the rule. Deliberate is just like a hard word for us, I think, to like process in a different way. Um, so you, you 
deny the goal, the one of the Barcelona goals for that, I think the Pedri goal, um, but then you don't award a penalty for the same motion from Dumfries. It's just, it's bizarre. But, you know, Inter get the win, and that, that's just how it is. Uh, so now, you know, Inter... Yeah, okay. Um, Inter, Inter sit second in that group. I mean, it's a big game, though, you know, because they, they'll play Barcelona again next week, and uh, even if Barcelona win that, it, it goes down to really their, both of their respective last two games to, uh-huh. to sort it out. So uh, it's a big win for Inter, though, especially in Zaghi, who had so many questions uh, you know, coming off the weekend and the season that they've had so far. It's, it's a big win to lift them. Um, right now, Group D and E are the most interesting in terms of just... You know, as, as we go through, you know, we're, we're halfway through the, the group stages. Really, I any any two teams could qualify still in these groups. Uh, in Group D, you have uh, Sporting Club de Portugal, Tottenham, Frankfurt, Marseille in that order with 6-4, four, 4-3 four, and three points. Salzburg, top Group E with 5 points. Chelsea, Milan, Dinamo, Zagreb, uh, that's 4 points, 4 points and 3 points. So, I mean... It's very tight, you know, and, and it's going to go down to probably the last match day in both of these groups, uh, which is exciting. I maybe not so much for not you because Milan will be in in the mix for there, uh, but I think it's fun. I I always love I always love when the groups go down to uh, to the last day, and you know we kind of have some drama because let's be honest, a, a lot of these groups will kind of be decided, you know, before we get there. Um, you know, and it's always nice to kind of have something to kind of really pay attention, sink your teeth into, uh, which right now we have, which I don't know. I know, I know you don't want to talk about it. I know you're upset by this. I didn't watch the game, but when I looked and saw that it was three, nothing and former Milan Academy player, uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang scored on them. It's, uh, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. But. Yeah, tough scene. Tomori did not have his uh, his best game, I would say, for Milan. I've I've seen better uh, better Tomori games for sure. Uh, yeah, not great. But yeah, listen, well, listen, I will say this too: they're dealing with injury issues up the entire right side, right? I think both Salamakers and Macias are hurt for the right wing. No Magnan either, by the way. Yeah, I don't know no that Magnan. we ever even mentioned it. That Magnan is out for. Calabria's I haven't really gotten a, a determinate amount of time on. Manion's injury. I, I know it's like, like a month, two months. It's it seems pretty nebulous, which worries me. Because um, when you don't get like a more definitive timetable, that's when it turns like a month injury, like out four to six weeks, turns to like eight to ten. And uh, you know, Manion has obviously been a, a crucial player for them. Milan Labs guys, Milan Labs always doing the great the great work when it comes to physio. It's just, you love just absolutely wonderful, man. You love to see it. So those those are the two groups I think we really have to keep an eye on because uh, we'll be back next week with, with Champions League and, uh, you know, return fixtures. And, I mean, really, the Champions League is just rolling on, you know, steamrolling now because um, it's it's so different from how we usually experience it. But, you know, Champions League will be wrapped up by uh, by early November, you know, the, the group stages. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Stefan's saying that Milan can join Manchester United in the Europa League. <laughs> It, it may happen. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, th- I think happen. they can still get through second. I think, you know, obviously playing Chelsea back-to-back is always a challenge, but I, I'll, I still say, think I'll say this, though. It, it, it's still progress if we're looking at the long term, right? We're going from not making it in European competition at all to going to Europa League and, and winning some games here and there and, and struggling a little bit, but then getting finally back to the Champions League and getting bounced in the group stage, right? 
if we're in the group stage again and we end up in Europa League, but then can you know win a couple games, that's still progress. And then just finish out on the league in another UCL spot and and aim to make it out of the group stage next year. You know, just small increments. You know, uh, I think a lot of a lot of and this isn't just a my club. I think soccer fans just in general with their club, there's a lot of slapstick reactions, like real, real quick, you know, uh, not thought out takes that, that happen right after like the course of the game. You know, you see it all on Twitter. A lot of people just say anything, right? They pick on the players who had bad games. Uh, they, they, they call for the coach to be fired, like everything. You see everything. So, you know, let it marinate see what happens as the group stage goes on and then you can kind of make your takes from there, but eh, that's whatever. Yeah. There you go. That's it. That's, that's, the show. that's it. That's it. We'll be back next week. I mean, we got great games this weekend too, by the way, Milan, Juventus, uh, Arsenal, Liverpool. Um, so, you know, keep, keep your eyes peeled on that one. It's going to be a good weekend in terms of games. Dom, anything to say? Anything to plug before we get out of here? Follow me on Twitch. I got my Twitch or got I got my settings fixed so I can run FIFA and stream on my PC at the same time. So uh twitch.tv slash a hairy ape. My my team is almost weekend league ready. Um I bought Kevin De Bruyne. So that is that is something very serious. Uh I had to sell Vinicius Jr. to get him, but it's okay. My midfield is Goretzka and KDB. It, What's it? <laughs> and I got the best two center backs in Syria. I've got Tamori and Kim Min Jae. So that I, like I actually it. can't I like argue it a lot. with. I like it a argue lot. with that point. So yeah, follow Dom. Check that out. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, by the way, you know, once we get to a thousand subscribers, got to plug this. Uh, we will be recapping, reviewing, disgusting. 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 <laughs> uh, Italy, Germany, 2006 uh, in the World Cup. So so get on that. Uh, we'll be back next week wrapping up this weekend and more Champions League for you. Until then, we'll talk to you next time.